to the Small Business Show. I'm your host, Lori Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. This week, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Dr. Jonathan Bektari. He's the CEO of E7 Health and E-National Testing. He is a vaccine and COVID-19 expert and a physician with specialties in internal pulmonary and critical care. He and his team at E7 Health specialize in preventative medicine, vaccinations, and testing for viruses. In short, Dr. Bakhtari offers an inside scoop in the healthcare industry. Dr. Bakhtari, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Big honor. Thank you. I'm super excited to have an opportunity to kind of discuss the transitions that you've gone through throughout your journey. But before we get there, I want to rewind the clock just a bit. I want to go back to days of, say, junior high or high school, even mm-hmm. college. Think about a time when a mentor would have asked you what it is you want to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. What was your answer to that question back then? You know, I think by the time I was ending high school, beginning college, I kind of knew I wanted to go to medical school. I think back then I, my vision was that this is like the most amazing thing because it's really a calling from God and you get this privilege of helping people. And uh, that's probably what I would have said. There was a way I could kind of get into that field and just make a difference and all that stuff. So it was back then and as, and of course still now, it's very much about just the privilege and how much how exciting it would be to have an impact on people. I love that despite the transitions throughout your journey, the perspective on it hasn't changed. The truth of the journey is you're really looking to help people through healthcare, no matter what end of it you're approaching it from. And I think much like many people in childhood, I know myself and other entrepreneurs have interviewed, you know, we have this dream of becoming a physician. I specifically wanted to be a pediatrician. And that thought process, when you think of healthcare, you think of becoming a physician. You don't necessarily think of becoming a technician or a radiologist mm. or many, many other yeah. departments of healthcare that exist. And, and the transition that you made is not one that many people would think to travel down. So I'm really curious, you went on this journey, you knew that you wanted to be a physician, you went into the healthcare industry as a physician. What was it that sparked the thought process of an entrepreneurial journey for you? Yeah, you know, it wasn't an epiphany that happened one day. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. I woke up and said, oh, yes, I need to pivot. (laughs) Uh, It was really like a, a thousand little doors that one door opened up another. So it was just initially, you know, getting through medical school, residency, fellowship, becoming a senior partner in my group, and then, you know, joining committees and then becoming department chair. And then every, everything I did opened up another door. So it was like watching grass grow. It's very, just happened. You didn't notice it was happening. So I think a lot of people think there was like a period where it was crystal clear that we're going to pivot or whatever. It was really much more organic and evolutionary. And I often didn't know what the next door would be. It was, I would say dozens and dozens of doors that opened up other doors to finally, to get to the point where we started our own company. But 
it was um, so gradual that I never thought of it as a pivot. Thank you for that. I love yeah. the clarity there because I think that's one of those things that there is a misconception. Like somebody wakes up and they're like, oh, this is what I want to do now. And oftentimes it's not. It's a hindsight in the journey that you start to recognize where the pivots occurred and what it was that caused those pivots. But when you're on the journey, when you're in the midst of your journey and becoming an entrepreneur, it's not necessarily all that clear as to what it is that's occurring. So share with us how those doors did start to open and become a little clearer for you as to what that transition would look like. Yeah, I mean, but I should also say as every door opened, you know, you also learned what you didn't like. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you would close a lot of doors. You're like opening like, oh, never mind. So I think it was this whole idea of kissing a lot of frogs, if I can use that analogy. <laughs> you know, so so you just or you you go through kissing frogs and okay, well that, that oh I really like that. I could I could see doing more of that. No, that doesn't sound so good, or I that that's not in my wheelhouse, or I don't want to be you know, in the weeds that way. I, yeah. You know, do you want to do you want to get more involved in administrative medicine? Do you want to get involved in more, uh, you know, pharmaceutical or this? Or you, you get drawn to different things that excite you. And so, um, I think part of opening doors is also just knowing which doors don't work for you, and and you don't realize it at the time, but you're kind of making decisions like, oh, that wasn't too much fun, or that was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think that is how the organic process goes. I think what's hard about that is you don't really know where you're going to wind up. Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's almost like you, you're going down a river that's meandering left and right. And you don't know where it's going. As long as you're having fun in the process and, and, and you know, picking up new skills. And I think maybe that's what my training helped me understand because, my, you know, Get, get through medical school, internship, fellowship, do internal medicine, do pulmonary, do critical care. It always just seemed like there, there should always be a next step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it just continued. So it was just like it wasn't like one and done in my training. Right. I think that just applied to the whole journey. Definitely. You were taking the time to hone in truly on what that passion was. You had a passion for the healthcare industry. Oh, of you course. had a passion to help people. But what specifically you wanted to do in the industry was what was really the transitional piece. And I think that's another really, really important aspect of the journey because when you're in a passionate place, you can still get lost in that space mm -hmm. and not really have the clarity as to what those next steps are. And, and again, it's not there's this clear one direction it's that you have a bunch of different things that you're dealing with. You recognize that there's moments to close the door on. Some people call those failures, but I insist there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. And you mm -hmm. use that feedback throughout the journey to really kind of hone in as to what it was you wanted to truly do and what it was, you know, that specific passion for you in the healthcare industry. So do you feel like there were any strategies, tools, books, or mentors specifically that may have helped you in that process of uncovering what the area of the industry was that you were, were truly passionate about? You know, uh, I don't know if, I mean, I had a lot of mentors in residency and fellowship. And one thing I learned really early on 
is when you're surrounded by people who know more than you, which is what happens during internship and residency and fellowship, you just basically, your job is to shut up and listen. You know, that's really, that's really, I mean, in, in all practicality, that's your really job, shut up and listen. You know, if you're, t if you're, if you're attending who's been practicing for 20 years, tells you, you go left, you go left. And if you just go right, you go right. And, you know, and you may ask some questions along the way, but you're not there to give blowback. You, right. I mean, you, the, this is not, you know, and I think that's the good thing about medical education. Cause yes, I've heard, I've heard like it said that it can be very authoritative or you're, you know, you're an intern and, or you're medical and you're saying, you know, I, I serve, but. Some of that is also good practical skills because it teaches you in the real world, if you're, if LeBron James is teaching you how to shoot a basketball, there's no feedback you can give him. You just shut right. up and say, oh, that's how you shoot the basketball, right? Okay. <laughs> it doesn't require you to comment. <laughs> it just requires you to shut up and listen because that's LeBron James. Exactly. No, there's nothing you can say to him, yeah. right? There's no like, well, you know, LeBron, that sounds good. But have you ever thought about, you know, like, no. Right. Okay. So metaphorically, when you're around you, whatever version of LeBron James you're talking to, your job is to just shut up and listen yes. and yes. listen and try to digest what they're telling you and not be the smartest guy in the room all the time, you know, just not, not be the smartest guy, just... Uh, and I think the good thing about medicine, it kind of teaches you that. And so uh, once you get out, if you could hold on to some of that as you try other things, now you got to make sure you're around someone who is genuine and is really an expert. So then it becomes, okay, where do I find these people and how do I learn from them? How do I mentor from them? So even when I was starting my administrative and entrepreneurial experiences, you know, I just, you know, when I found someone who, could help me and mentor me, and I would seek them out often. Um, just you know, try to listen and digest what they're saying. Eventually, you can you know come up with your own thing, but initially, just absorb everything. I don't know if that helps answer what you're asking, but that was one thing. No, it definitely does. You're explaining that really hold on to the information that you're receiving when it's coming from those you know have a lot more information than you might have. When you have a, a, the access to an opportunity to witness an expert in their industry giving you that feedback and that knowledge, you have to really listen, soak it in, take what you can from it, and yeah. and shut up along the way. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. There's an there's another adage I try to mentor people. You know that, you know, there are certain people because of the success they've had in their lives sometimes evolve into an attitude like, you know, if it's not my idea, it's a bad idea, you know? And I think, I think that's, you, you gotta be really careful. You don't fall into that, right? That every idea, you know, you, you have to be open enough that that doesn't happen to you. Very true. Blissful ignorance is a thing. Mm -hmm. However, <laughs> right. Making sure you don't necessarily allow it to guide your entire journey is right. definitely wise information. So thank you for that. And so I'd love for you to share with us how it is you went about making the transition from healthcare into an entrepreneurial journey. 
What do you mm-hmm. feel were some of the first steps that you took? Again, it was a very slow evolution. So that's one mm-hmm. part. But but I think globally, I think it was, you know, I I had practiced clinical medicine, was a senior partner in a group. I had been, uh, you know, a medical director for hospitals. I've been medical director for insurance, health insurance companies. I was on clinical faculty uh, at three medical schools throughout my career teaching. So I think it was that perspective from all four angles that allowed me to at least feel like these are the kind of problems I want to solve because I, I had a sense for, you know, what was the insurance company's perspective? What was the hospital's perspective? What's the you know patient, cl- the clinician perspective, the teaching perspective? And, and you kind of, it gives you hopefully insights that you wouldn't have had if you were just practicing clinical medicine, if that makes sense. Definitely. And I think, and I think, and I think you combine that with realizing you know, you can help one patient at a time. That's not the only way you can Im- impact healthcare, right? There, you know, so it wasn't necessarily even transitioning. It was just like, okay, how else can you make an impact at, in healthcare in addition to seeing one patient at a time? So I think when you look at it that way, it's part mm-hmm. of the same thing. If you're saying, I'm just helping, I'm doing healthcare now where I can impact, you know, like we were talking about before about our new, new, uh, new project, enationaltesting.com, where, you know, we, we're trying to help a lot of people simultaneously. And so I think it's those opportunities that kind of doesn't feel like it's completely different. I love it. So again, you didn't actually make a full-fledged transition. This wasn't a moment in your journey where there was a hard and fast pivot. It was a gradual and eventual scenario that went alongside your actual healthcare practice. You have to have a way to fund the journey before you dive head first. So instead of just saying, okay, I'm done with the healthcare industry as a physician, you said, you know what? I kind of want to start a tech health business on the side of what I'm doing. I really think I could enhance the industry in this way while I'm actually practicing and seeing patients. You didn't right. just get what you were doing. You you made right. sure that you, you merged the two and made it a journey in and of itself. But when you feel, or let me ask you this, have you retreated from practicing as a physician or are you, are you still practicing? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I still see some patients, but m- more importantly, clinically, I also help my, uh, my you know, uh, my PAs and nurse practitioners mm-hmm. and my clinical staff. You know, we, so I'm in charge of, you know, mentoring them, answering their questions, writing policies, procedures. We, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time on quality improvement projects, patient mm-hmm. safety projects, uh, often leveraging technology to minimize, you know, errors, minimize confusion, streamlining information, getting the appropriate medical records to the right person at the right time. So all of that is improving the quality of care, I like to think. And so that is part of the practicing of medicine in the sense that we have an online university where we write courses for my staff, new staff that come on board uh, to making sure they have information and knowledge about specific things that we do in our company to, to for patients. So I think uh, when you're in charge of developing the online university, the protocols, the policies and procedures, 
And it also, you know, day-to-day mentoring of, of staff, senior clinical staff. So it's, it's practicing medicine, but on a different scope, if that makes sense. No, definitely. It totally does. There are still patients, like you said, that you are seeing. So you're still maintaining the, the healthcare aspect while running the tech end of the practice. So it's not as though you've ceased on, on either one still. You still have both of those journeys as one. The healthcare is an entrepreneurial journey in and of itself because mm-hmm. you're now practicing with your own practice versus being part of an alternate practice, if, if mm. I'm hearing you correctly. Right. So no. that, that's correct. Yeah. That's, it's a, it's a hybrid, I would say. Right. Excellent. No, I absolutely love that. You were able to take your passion and turn it into not one, but two entrepreneurial journeys all at the same time. Right. <laughs> so I'd love for you to share what your vision of the healthcare industry in the next five years? You know, my, I think my, my answer might surprise you because I, unfortunately, I think what we're witnessing right now is a evolution that we saw happen in other industries like the airline industry and the cell phone industry just come to mind, but consolidation, Wall Street consolidation, equity firms and buying up, you know, in this case, buying up practices and hospitals, buying up practices. One of the most startling data that I that I try to digest is that, you know, uh, 20 years ago, or even 15 years ago, 25% of doctors were employees. Now that's 75%. And it's probably continuing to go up. So there's an evolution happening in medicine right before our eyes. And I think that's going to continue in the next five years, you know, the time period you suggested that it's going to uh, more and more physicians are going to be not running their own practices, but in being employees and how that impacts the healthcare, you know, is, is up for discussion, but it's, it won't be the same. And it isn't the same as, you know, 10, 15 years ago, if you're in healthcare, you feel every day because you can see it happening before your eyes, you know, hospitals, buying up practices, healthcare systems, buying up other healthcare systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, pharmaceutical companies buying other pharmaceutical companies, and it's all sort of this sort of Wall Street-driven equity firm kind of thing. Which I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not even making any editorial comments on it, but it is definitely happening. We all know, literally, like just down the block, a clinic that was just bought up by a healthcare system and mm-hmm. uh, and our doctor's own practices being bought out and mm-hmm. and what have you. So I think I think to answer your question in a roundabout way, that's what we're going to see more of, I would imagine, mm-hmm. the next five years. I agree with you. I think over the past decade, I've actually seen, as you mentioned, when you began, over the past decade, we've seen that exact change in multiple industries, you know, be it financial services or uh, marketing industries, the ability to consolidate and streamline has has vastly improved during technology, and mm-hmm. hopefully the processes will continue to do so. If right. you had a magic wand and had the ability to say change anything at all in the industry or in your own practice, what do you feel like that would be? You know, I, I think having patients have more control of their healthcare is probably the number one thing. Uh, having access to 
their own records, having access to the choices that they have. I think just like any consumer, things always get better when people have all the information and can make decisions based on data that you know they need. And so I think if the industry continues to, you know, give people access to, you know, what, what medications they're on, what, what their billing is, uh, transparent billing, transparent medical records, uh, you know, getting data from multiple hospitals and physicians at your fingertips, you know, just you controlling your healthcare more. Obviously, you need a partner in, in your primary care doctor or whoever doc, whatever doctor you're seeing, but I think empowering patients with information about their own healthcare is really important. And you want to do, yeah, I mean, in anything, you know, if you want to find out what you ordered on Amazon a year ago, you don't call up Amazon, do you? You just go on your phone and look. Exactly. I truly agree. And making an informed decision, especially when it comes to your health care, is a far better path to take than enjoying blissful ignorance. Right, right, right. No idea. It's a far safer path. So I agree. You know, the ability to access health care information at the tip of my fingers now has definitely helped my own journey. You know, back when I was first diagnosed with Crohn's in 2009, it wasn't easy to access records access what the entire detailed list was without a phone call to center to get a, a something mailed this and that nowadays i can just go into an app on my phone check it all out double check and see you know whatever it might be whether it's scheduling and so forth so i agree it's it makes life far easier when you have information at your fingertips right we're all blessed to have at this point yes yeah yes yeah. improving by the day definitely so I'd love to know. The show's really designed, of course, to help entrepreneurs in their own journey and help those who haven't even started the journey come up with an idea for an industry, you know, for business in an industry that they may not have been thinking of. So I'd love to know if you have the opportunity to go back, say, 10 to 15 years and tell yourself just one thing. Uh What do you feel like that would be? And how do you feel like that would have changed where you are in your journey today? Yeah, um, great question. And I, I actually bring this up even now. I think a lot of people, when they're trying to start a business, they think if it's a good idea, that that in itself, will right. that's all they need. And it's nothing could be further from the truth because a lot of businesses that have great ideas fail because they don't execute, they don't attract the right talent, they don't enroll people in their vision. And also people think if it's my idea, that makes me the perfect CEO to run that idea. Just because it was your idea doesn't make give you the skill set to run a company, right? I mean, I may be enchanted with the airline industry, but it's not gonna make me a pilot. You know, I, I'm gonna require some skills to land a 747, right? You know, just because I fly a lot doesn't mean I can land a plane, right? And I think this idea that I can run a company with no additional skill sets uh, than just I'm a nice guy, people like me, I get I get along with people. You know, soft skills, soft skills are not going to make you land a seven forty seven, and soft skills are are not necessarily 
going to make you be able to run a company. You have to acquire some skills. We talked about that on my podcast, especially I was season two, we're talking about skills you need to run a company. And so, so, but it's not a bad thing, but you just have to go out and get those skills, just like in residency or in fellowship, you just have to go get the skills. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but just don't take it for granted that it was your idea. It's a great idea. So naturally you're the person to execute and run this company. Learning to delegate early. Yeah. And, and learn and learn, get those skills, get mentors, learn those skills. How, you know, how do you put a team together? How do you enroll them into your vision? How do you hire? How do you fire? How do you promote? How do you mentor? How do you get the people to do the vision thing that is so important? And part of it is like, how do you take care of them? How do you think about them? How do you, how do you have their best interests at heart? These are skills that aren't so obvious if you're, if you've never done it before. So I would yep. say if I had to go back 10, 15 years, I mean, I had to stumble through it, I think initially and say, oh my gosh, yeah, I do have to learn this, 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 and this, and find mentors that will help you with, with this problem. And how do you hire? How do you encourage? How do you discourage? How do you, you know, what kind of policies make sense? What kind of procedures make sense? Senator? What's the hierarchy of the organization? So you have to go out there and talk to people and just understand these are not natural skills that you just get from being a nice person. Uh, just like uh, you, you wouldn't be able to play, play a violin because you're a nice person. You, you just have to, you'd have to take lessons, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you have to continue practicing once you've taken the lessons. Mm -hmm. I actually played violin for 11 years, but I haven't touched okay. one in probably uh -huh. 30. So Wow, I'm sure it come right back to you. Right. <laughs> personal knowledge before payment or delegation is is also very important right. and we do talk about that on the show quite a bit having that personal knowledge and recognizing what you may be paying for is very yes. important prior to the delegation portion but it really is important to learn how to delegate early on in order to scale only one there's only one of you like you're suggesting there's there you only you, you can't do everything there's only one of you. There's only so many hours in a day. And no matter how much more time I can give people, there's only 24 out. Right. You can't give them more than what's in a day. It's, so, it's, it's yeah. not endless. Exactly. Exactly. So I would love for you to share with us where you would like to see e-national testing in the next couple of years. This is your latest venture that you yeah. share me as we started. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about national testing and, and what your vision is for the company. Yeah. Well, we came up with e-national as a, as an offshoot of E7 Health, but e-national testing is we, you know, we've contracted with, you know, laboratories all across the country, you know, thousands and thousands of laboratories. And then with our website, you basically any, you know, normal clinical test that, you know, within the normal range of cholesterol and uh, allergy testing and STD testing and what have you. Um, you can just literally go on our website, put in your zip code. It'll populate four or five labs that are hopefully are often within a half a mile of any major or moderate sized city. Um, and you could just get a requisition, go in there, get it. And the results show up on our portal a few days later, if not sooner. And this way you can have access and control some of your healthcare, obviously 
you know, we have a licensed physician in all 50 states who writes that order for you, but then you can obviously take that result and go to your primary care uh, and uh, your whole primary care team and address, uh, you know, whatever concerns you may have. But in terms of giving you easy access, you know, with just mm. a few clicks, as opposed to, you know, waiting a few weeks to get an appointment, this and that, we think it's going to give people options that they can use to supplement them seeing their primary care doctor. Very much so. I, I actually find it a very exciting venture that you're taking. I'm curious if there's any specific end of healthcare that you guys are starting with in terms of the testing. If you just go to the website, I think that they're, they, they fall under general wellness testing, men's health, women's health, allergies, allergy mm -hmm. testing, employment testing, STD testing. Those are broad umbrella categories. Mm -hmm. And then within each one of those are the actual testing that we do. So it's pretty much very Across expansive. Yeah, it's very expansive. It's yeah. really impressive. I mean, I, even, I, even our women's health package, I mean, you know, there's, we have a standard, we have a complete, we have fertility tracking panel, pregnancy, women's anti-aging. We have, so we have all these packages as mm -hmm. well as specific testing. So if you have very specific concern, your cholesterol or whatever, you can do that or men's health packages. And just general wellness under the general wellness of the cardiac risk monitoring panel, colon cancer screening panel, thyroid panel, advanced metabolic health panel. So you can you can take one of these panels or just one specific test, depending what you're concerned about. That's wonderful. You really streamline the access to the ability to get the results for those tests and streamline the ability for people to seek out a second opinion when they feel it's necessary. So you've really opened up an opportunity for people to have that greater bit of insight. As we were mentioning, having the ability to make that informed decision. And you've just added another layer of information and opportunity for people to just make sure that they've got as much information as they can possibly have when it comes to their healthcare. So Jonathan, congratulations on the venture. I think it's- Oh, thank you. And, and I really look forward to diving into it when, when we finish the call. I thank you for sharing with us today. I'd love for you to share the best way for our viewers to find you. Perfect. Yeah. So our website, Bakhtari MD, has all our content, our podcasts, our blogs, episodes. So that's one way. Obviously, LinkedIn, people can find me in Bakhtari MD on LinkedIn, as well as YouTube and all the podcast channel is for under Bakhtari MD. So they can reach out on my website, LinkedIn or watch any of our content and podcasts on all the streaming apps. Excellent. And there is a really special episode that I happen to catch not long before we chat it. So I hope the audience goes and checks that out. People are traveling this summer. It is definitely a must watch. So Jonathan, I thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and taking the time to chat this afternoon. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Really, it is an honor. Thanks for making it so much fun. I really appreciate it. Uh, Lori, thank you.